I want to start out by saying that my marriage needs love. Love only comes when a husband and in the husband and wife relationship when both take responsibility to forgive each other. Uh, I am like a, I love uh, I'm like a mathematician. I like I like to have a, a program that I can run that just gives me the answers in the end. And uh, I believe that I have a program run here that God is the author of. So I just want to share it with you this morning. Love and forgiveness. If you place love here and forgiveness here in the marriage relationship, you get peace. Is there anybody in this room that enjoys peace? Is there anybody in this room that has experienced not having peace? And do you know what happens in a marriage relationship? What else we need is communication relationship. If we have communication, if we're able to 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 speak to one another honestly and earnestly and at ease do you know what that brings to your marriage it brings peace about forgiveness now if we're going to talk about forgiveness in marriage we need to understand what forgiveness is now I realize that many I like that did that in another service uh, I know that you, you have an understanding of forgiveness. But you know something? I, I may have struggled that, with that in my life because I, I was never inside a church building. It's a nice building until I was 30 years old. Come from a dysfunctional family. Didn't have a clue about Jesus Christ. And it makes a difference to know that, that God has forgiven me. And I just want to share that with you this morning. God's forgiveness for us is the most profound example of forgiveness there is. I, I believe God, he is the source of forgiveness, period. He wrote the book, and uh, it's exciting. Uh, if you turn in your Bibles this morning, I, I'd like you to turn over to Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Uh, and, and a lot of time when I'm speaking this morning, if you would just write the verse down and take a look at it later, but in each verse, there's a key word. I believe in each verse of Scripture, you'll find some gold, and it may be in just one word that associates with that verse. Galatians 6, 7, 8, and, and it simply uh, speaks about our life. It says, uh, it says in Galatians 6, 7, 8, uh, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Him that soweth to his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. What a difference. You know what that says to me? It says, choose Jesus, choose life. Choose the world, choose death. That's what it says to me. Now we all know... Uh, the plan of salvation, or most of us in this room know Romans Road, know all these things, but we, we get started right here with, uh, with uh, Romans 3.23. It just simply states this, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I am in this room with a bunch of sinners. And I am one of them. But we're up, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death. So sin in our life leads to death and separation from God. 
But it also says in the, in the, the B part of that verse, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So there's a simple choice in our life that sometimes many people in this room have made a choice. And th there's some people in this room that haven't made a, that choice yet. And uh, we just want you to understand the choice. You know, if you talk about choices in life and you communicate in marriage and choices, you know, usually you can come to, to, to an acceptable choice. And I hope that we can in, re, in regarding forgiveness of God, too. God's forgiveness is so unique. The first verse of Scripture, this, is, this may be a hard one to some of you, is John 3.16. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him. That's whoever is forever. Think about that. Whoever is forever. Whomever is forever. Romans 8.1 says this. Now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That word condemnation can be associated with guilt. There is no guilt for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, that's so amazing. 2 Corinthians uh, 5.19 says this. Namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he committed to us the word of reconciliation. Uh, to reconcile is to settle the sin issue, to make compatible and consistent. Uh, that's exciting words to me, that God isn't going around counting my trespasses. He's forgiven me. I'm forgiven. And you know what forgiveness is to be free? Somebody shared with me just recently that, maybe I shouldn't even share this with you, but they just shared with me recently that, that they compared marriage to uh, murder. And this person told me, look, says, if I murder somebody, there's a chance that I'll get 25 years to life. But marriage can just go on and on and on. He must have thought I was from outer space. I said, well, my sentence is 45 years, and I'm sort of enjoying it. <laughs> Gets better and better the more I learn how to deal with life <laughs> and my wife. But there's, there's, there's so many stories that people tell you that are so incredible. Let's take a look at, let's take a look at Ephesians 1.7. You just uh, listen to this. In him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness for our trespasses according to his riches, according to the riches of his grace. Uh, we have redemption. Uh, redemption is to set free or save. I love that word free because I was in bondage for 30 years of my life. And to forgive, to get a pardon. You know, when our president issues a pardon, some people disagree with it because there was guilt and sin involved, and the person was let off. He didn't have to get the consequences of that. It's like, how would you like it if... Uh, 
a person came in here and told you, your banker, that your mortgage, your mortgage is now forgiven. Wow. You would think that would be great. But when you go home today, look at your house and then look at your family. And it isn't even more wonderful that your family can be forgiven. The debt can be canceled. And that you can accept Jesus Christ and let him lead your life. What a difference. Uh, Colossians 2.13 says this, And when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him, having forgiving, forgiven us all our transgressions, um, I have a question for you this morning that will be asked over and over and over again. Have you received your pardon? You see, God doesn't send the pardon in the mail. He sends a pardon to your heart. You see, I, I went through my life for the first 30 years of my life. By the way, I, was, uh, I graduated 30th in my class. The only problem with that was there was only 31 people. <laughs> And I, went, I married my high school sweetheart, and life was just going to be bliss. Except that I carried into this marriage no idea who Jesus Christ was, so I had a good idea who the world was. I carried that into my marriage. And the first 10, 12 years of my marriage was, uh, was interesting. I'm so glad. I, I used to talk about it a lot, about my addiction to alcohol, about, about the, uh, every sin that's imaginable. But I don't give Satan any more glory in my life, taking that out. I want to give God the glory for what he's done. And if we can give God the glory for what he's done in our marriages, <laughs> he's going to receive a lot of glory because that's his plan. And marriage to a lot of people is his plan. So a young person, if you're here today and you're, you're contemplating marriage, or you're contemplating someday, you know, it's good to have a plan. Do you know how many people today uh, build houses and they don't count the costs? It's good to count the costs before you make the commitment. <coughs> It's good to know the cost. It's good to know what it takes. So the more information you can get, the better off you are. Hebrews 10, 14 says this, For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who were sanctified. God the Father sent his only begotten son, Jesus, into this world. And he took the punishment for the sin that separated us from the Father. Jesus went willingly to the cross. He didn't have to go. He could have called 10,000 angels in power. But he chose to go because he loves us so much. And today the question is, have you received God's forgiveness? Today you'll have that opportunity. I love this cliche that says, Bible verse, whatever, that says this, whom the Son is set free is free indeed. And forgiveness 
is to be free. I was at one time in a uh, men's retreat in southern New York, and I, I uh, heard the pastor speak about this uh, uh, teen retreat that they had at the, at the facility. And the, the teens were, uh, they came in, and the first couple of days of the retreat went terrible. Uh, the teens were unresponsive. Uh, there was some problems in the camp. There was uh, teens were missing money, were missing cell phones, were missing personal items, and uh, it just wasn't going well. The services were not going well, and uh, eventually, um, on one of the breaks, uh, some of the teens saw a young man going through uh, some somebody else's personal items belongings and they took this young man I guess they roughed him up a little bit and it was on a, a, a two-story building and they uh, took and hung him outside the second story window upside down and the youth pastor was just going to check on the young people and can you imagine what he looked and he saw this young man dangling out there by his feet and uh, so he went in rushed upstairs and got the young man back inside and then the, of course the accusations came and there was plenty of witnesses so what happened was that the uh, the youth pastor says well we're, we'll settle this right now he says uh, we're going to have a trial we're, you're going to be tried by your peers he told the young man and uh, the young man was tried. Of course, he was convicted. And um, there was a youth judge, and they told him to sentence him. And he sentenced him to uh, a five-minute ice water shower, which was a little more appropriate than hanging out the window for a period of time of who knows what. So they took him over to the shower. And the youth pastor said, who would like to push him in? Now, there were some volunteers. But you know, just as they were about to push him in, the youth pastor stepped in the shower. And he didn't say anything. He just stood in that ice water. And he, said, he looked at the, those youth and he says, this is what the Lord Jesus Christ did for you and me. He took our punishment for what we deserved, and he took it. There was a lot of tears that day, and there was a lot of difference in the services that weekend. Because sometimes we can, we can go along. That's why I ask you to stand up, by the way, in the beginning. Because we can, we can just have our minds absorbed by the world and absorbed by the struggles of the day. But I believe each day that God wants to speak to me. If he does to me, I know he does to you. Because you're as important or more important than I am. A majority of the people in this room today will be married. A majority. Or will want to be married or will consider marriage in their lifetime. So this is, this is pretty universal. Marriages today doesn't have a very good track record. Remember when I talked to you about high school, 50%, I'm used to 50%. I got that a lot. 
in school. So, but do you realize it's not so funny when you place that upon somebody's marriage? Say 50% of the of the people universally today will will have a divorce in their life. Today's marriage does not look or or move towards being forever. Doesn't doesn't you know those words to love and cherish from this day forward? Some of, some of you have heard those words. Some of you have said those words in this room. I guarantee you, you have. But to love and to cherish is God's plan to to last forever, from this day forward. Now there's areas in our marriages that that speak about conflict in marriage. I've had some conflict in my marriage. Now you can, if, if those of you who know my wife real well, can probably know where the majority of that comes from. And you'd be looking at him right now. But the issues in marriage, and this is something that young people need to, to begin to get in their mind and in their heart. What areas in our marriage can be p potential conflict? And in, 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 in your married life, I want you to think about these things. Power and control, differences in value, personal differences, insecurity, Competition. I've used this over and over again. My wife said not to use her in my sermon. But uh, my wife, she has competition when it comes to miniature golf. There is no mercy for me. If she gets uh, a couple lucky shots, she pours it on. I'm going to get her a Tiger Woods cap. Misunderst misunderstood feelings and unmet needs. Uh, I want you to think about these things because there is conflict in marriage today. Uh, think about this. We, I've named six items here that are, that are potential conflict in marriage. But you think about this. You pour love and forgiveness and add communication and relationship to these items and you will be working towards making love last forever. It's, it's, these, are the, these are a lot of the major situations in marriages that they need to be talked about, prayed about, and they need to be done together. So major issues in, in marriage. There's three that I wrote down and there's many more. But the top three, now I want you to think about this. How about money management? Do you think that's important in marriage? I'm I'm kind of a goal person. I like to I like to to know where I'm at, where I'm going. I enjoy that. And uh, my wife is too. So we we don't struggle a lot with uh, with money management, but so many people do. We offered this in the adult. Jeff offered this. Pastor Jeff is an awesome guy. It heads up the adult Bible studies, and, and uh, we worship the Lord here every morning. But, you know, we offered, uh, he had Gary. Gary. Gary is a member of this church and an awesome guy, and, and uh, 
uh, they offered uh, uh, financial management. And do you know it was it was sold out the first night that we put it on display back here. It was just amazing that it's needed in marriage today. Now, I don't care where you're at now, but from this day forward, you can get a plan to make your marriage happier in the financial state by participating together. Do you know when, when a husband and a wife get together, the first thing I ever ask a, per, a, a married couple when I when I meet them after I've, I've talked to them about five minutes is, what's your dream? And the answer to that question usually indicates the quality of their life. Because if you don't have a dream, if you're not going anywhere, you're not staying the same. Do you know about, you know, it's like, I'll give you this this. Uh, analysis. It's sort of like uh, how many people have ever been on a roller coaster? Now, do you notice that you get on the roller coaster and, oh man, this feels good, and you start up a grade and you're going real slow, and it's nice, you know, it's just nice. And then when you get to the top of the grade, all of a sudden, whoosh, you're gone, and you're down to the bottom, and then, and then all of a sudden you'll go around some curves and and all of a sudden, it'll start back uphill, and all of a sudden, you slow down. Ah, oh, this is nice again. But you know, going uphill takes a little time and energy, and it takes focus. But you know, our lives, when we start to, to climb that hill to meet Jesus, you know, it's easy to go downhill. It's easy to coast. You watch, you watch uh, people train for the Olympics. You'll see them up here on West Mountain. You'll see them on, on all of the mountains, and they're, they're running uphill. Why would anybody want to run uphill? <laughs> That's because they want to train because they have a goal. The Olympics in their mind. They have a goal, the race. God has a race for us. Also, there's child rearing. We need to raise our children and reveal Jesus Christ to them. If you know what your children are looking at? Mom and dad. What the children are looking at? Men, you know how you know what the children are looking at? How you treat your wife. You know what children are looking at? They're looking at your temper. They're looking at the way you, the way you uh, greet people. They're looking at the way you lead your family. What's God's position for the man in the marriage today? He's to be the priest. be the spiritual leader. We have a pastor here. His name is Robbie. He's a spiritual leader. We need to be that, gentlemen. My wife told her, told me this, she gave me orders in this sermon not to uh, use her in the sermon, so I won't. But I do keep something in the front of my Bible. It's been there for a long time. 
this is how I feel about my wife. At the top of the page it says, Marty, I love you. And then it says, Proverbs 31, 10 through 12, a wife of noble character who can find. She is worth more than rubies. Her husband is, has, is, has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings to him good, not harm, all the days of her life. And then it says in Proverbs 31, 21 through 25 through 29, she is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. Wives, can you laugh at the days to come? She speaks with wisdom and with faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all in my heart. So in regard to children, my personal plan is to love your wife, love your husband. Children like that. And also religion. You get in the area of religion, if you have different religious beliefs, it becomes very difficult to manage your life. If you take your plan for marriage, maybe I should have each person here, this would be fun. I didn't think about that. I could have each person here write a, a plan for their marriage. And then they could just give the plan to their wife, and the wife could give her plan to the husband. You think they would be, be equal or the same? If we spent the time together, they would be similar. If we haven't, they wouldn't be. I just want to uh, go over a couple things here. Uh, primary causes of anger. If you have anger in your life that comes from fear, dreading that which we expect will not come as we wish or expect, it, expect that something bad is going to happen. Frustration, not receiving what we expected from others or circumstances. Hurt. When we don't hear the words we receive, the actions, or the actions we expected from others or circumstances, unfulfilled expectations r just run through all aspects of anger. And then, you know what? These I've had for a long time. They just happened to come out when I was reading something the other day. There's different examples when we find out that we don't have the same plan. Gentlemen, here are some examples that I find, have found over the years. Sometimes it can be an atom bomb that goes off. Sometimes it can be a raging fire. It can be a landmine. And the last one is, of course, closer to home for me. It's a simmering coals. 
you ever, anybody that's ever burned wood or been around a, a fireplace or wood stove, you know when, when the coals are just simmering there and you can just see the heat rising off them? You should stick your hand in there sometime. It, it'll burn you. So you have to be careful. There's one thing I'd like to share with you in, in closing, and that's this um, um, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who, who strengthens me. And, and I believe that, that God would want to speak to husband and wives here today that your time together is precious. What you make of it affects generations to come. No one in my immediate family knew Jesus Christ had any idea who he was. I led my mom and my dad to Jesus Christ to see. I shared this with the other services. I had a nephew that 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 just believed that abortion was was okay. And he was working with me on a project for that I was doing with him to help him and uh, we just got in these tremendous debates and this guy is he's 20 years old, he's about six foot five, weighs about 300 pounds. He could crush me. And here, the, it, it gets kind of loud at times, and uh, finally I went and got a, a, a doll, put it in his hand, and said, here, if you can take this and imagine that this is a real baby, or a fetus, or whatever you want to put the name on it, and then you can throw this away, Tell me that you can do that. Gave it back to me, went and got in his car and went home. I said, well, that's the end of that project. Cleaned that up in a hurry. A month later, he called me and he said that he'd received Jesus Christ as his Savior. And he said, I wanted to crush you, was his words. I wanted to crush you but God crushed me. We need, to, we need to have forgiveness in our lives. I've made this commitment to the Lord. I've had some tough times. You know, uh, from this day forward requires forever love. Uh, and forever love endures through tough circumstances. I've been through some tough circumstances. My son was hit by a car when he was 13 years old, my oldest son. The doctors told me that uh, he had a crushed uh, uh, hip and pelvis and the uh, lower leg was, was broken, femur. And they told me that, he was 13, told me that he may be able to walk with a limp eventually. And I was a new Christian. And I went through those days in the hospital with the pain and the suffering that he went through, wishing it was me. But he went through it. And I remember the day that they, they put him in a body cast and I had to carry around this 130 pound young man for two months because he didn't bend all the way down. And I remember the time when I would sit there and we were in an older house and there was only one bathroom upstairs that didn't work for him. So there was a new bathroom put in. I, I just remember this mountain of circumstances. And yet, in the end, I saw them go in and cut this cast off him at the end of two months. 
and I saw this doctor put these films up on the wall, and he had already uh, uh, prepared us to tell me that to tell us both, Marty and I, that that there was going to be another operation on a lower leg, and eventually uh, he would just have a cast on that. And that man stood there and looked at those films for 15 minutes. And I'd been a Christian about six months. He turned around and he said to us, I don't know what happened, he says, but your, your son is healed. He says he doesn't have to have anything on his lower leg, doesn't have to have anything on his upper leg or upper body. He, he seems to be all right. Well, doctor probably never saw me dance before, but he did that day. <laughs> Scream and yell. Because God's pretty awesome. And that's not the end of this story. The end of this story is that, that two or three years later, my son caught a touchdown pass in the end zone as a wide receiver. Now, I guess he could walk. And I know he could outrun me, because all my kids, if I could have caught them, they'd know there'd be trouble <laughs> at one time or another. So he could outrun me. So I'm telling you that there's hope in Jesus Christ for all of you this morning. We need to live in forgiveness. All of this that he's given me and he's given you, it depends upon one thing, though. Do you know if you receive all this forgiveness, what you have to do with forgiveness? You have to forgive others. Because if you can't forgive others, how can you receive his forgiveness? How can you receive something that you don't deserve and then not want to give it away? Today, if you want to be free, you've got to take that forgiveness that's given you, that's given me. I love God's forgiveness. Do you love God's forgiveness? And if you have it, you need to give it away. You know, you need to give it to the person that's offended you. You need to. I look at it this way. If you're in a basketball game and you're on defense and you're guarding somebody, and I thought about this for a while, you know, you would never step aside and let him go by you because you, you know that your team wouldn't be happy with that. But just think about it. If Jesus Christ was behind you, boy, I would be saying, here you go. Because when you step aside and you're no longer the offended, that person has to deal his life with Jesus Christ. There's no one in between stopping that. So I'd encourage you, if you're in a place where you have a struggle, the brother or sister or mom or dad, so many people can offend us today, somebody in the workplace, give it up. The last thing I'll tell you this morning is that I found one thing in my life through hard circumstances, through my son, through other things, is that there's only one thing I can count on this morning. Jesus Christ is enough for me. You'll have the opportunity this morning to respond to that through Pastor Jeff. This morning, is Jesus Christ enough for you? Is he the way?
the truth, the life. If you settle that issue in your life, you'll be happier, folks. A lot of you have it settled, and I know it. But it's an important thing. If you can settle it in your marriage that Jesus Christ is most important, your marriage will be better. If we worked as hard and stayed as focused on our marriages and on our lives with our children as we do on other things in life, I could start to prophesize here what could happen in this town of Queensbury, Glens Falls, Warren County. The Bible that talks about in Acts 1 8 to the uttermost parts of the earth. It's already happening here. So let's let's consider forgiveness today. Wherever you're at, you know the decisions you've made in the past, leave them there. Let's look forward. I would desire that you love and cherish each other from this day forward.